Good evening, dummies. Happy Friday, Red Friday. Sorry, I'm not wearing red today. Uh, it was a crazy day. We were out giving away the 13 stars of Christmas. So that's my Red Friday. We were giving back in honor of the 13 veterans who lost their lives in Afghanistan. And we went all around Annapolis, gave families TVs and the kids gift cards. We had Santa there. It was great. I'll share it with you once we get the video cut. So welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. It has been a long, long day. So I'm not going live. I'm going to do a recorded show. Wonderful to have you here. I hope you're full of turkey and all the goodness. Episode 258. Tonight, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and making a tweet about stolen land and trying to make Thanksgiving something it is not. Tonight, I will talk about that. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't Unfriend Me starts right now. Well, welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. Matthew Spear is my name. Episode 258, like I said, what are dummies? You might hear me say it in the show. Dummies are the Don't Unfriend Me's. It's not an insult. It is an acronym. Barstool Sports has their stoolies. We have dummies. Remember that. Please do me a favor and like, share, and subscribe if you wouldn't mind. Before every show, I kind of walk you through how to follow me and watch me. And one way you can is go to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all of that, and say hello. Also, you can stop by and see the new shirt, the Let's Go Brandon shirt at don'tunfriendme.com and pick it up. Let's get to our show. Remember when you're on Don't Unfriend Me, click shop and you can find all of our cool shirts that we do have. Once again, tonight we are talking about... Black Lives Matter, a post that they made, and it's an interesting one and one I happen not to agree with. You've got to be pulling my turkey leg. I get it. I get it. America sucks. And you need to be constantly reminded of that. We can't possibly have a day where we put aside the culture wars and just celebrate the blessings we have been given, right? Don't even think about celebrating Columbus Day, President's Day, or Thanksgiving Day without a proper finger-waggling lecture. Just to make sure any lingering patriotism is replaced by guilt and shame, enjoy your stuffing, you white supremacist scumbags. BLM is in the news yet again, posting the following tweet on Thursday, once again providing that no good day can go unpunished. Talking about stolen land and how we should all be ashamed. And their comment was pretty simple. It's just that we are now celebrating and eating turkey and stuffing ourselves on stolen land. I guess it really doesn't matter that they're posting a tweet on stolen land, but I digress. Thanksgiving is not about Indians and pilgrims any more than Christmas is a primary focus on Jesus for many. How many of us have a stocking for baby Jesus on our mantle anyway? That is because spirituality and tradition are not necessarily the same thing or need to be observed the same way. Although many celebrate the birth of Christ by attending church or prayer, Christmas trees and holiday shopping are not exactly in the spirit of the intended meaning. None of this is bad. It is just different from what is meant to be conveyed. This happens with tradition and, more importantly, the meaning behind why we celebrate. In the true spirit of Thanksgiving, I can't head over to my neighbor, give them a yellow fever, steal their house, punch their wife, put their kids into slavery. So therefore, the holiday is a moot point in its truest form, right? Wrong. Because that was never the intent, just like I can't find an angel standing around while lifting their heavenly robes and shoving a pine tree up their posterior. 
Thanksgiving isn't bad, and none of us think about the pilgrims or Native Americans doing this time or during any time, honestly. We shouldn't. There is a time and a place, but this is a day for thanks and something we should start immediately instead of complaining about our country ad nauseum. But why do people continue the assault year after year anyway? Well, besides the woke mob not having anything better to do, there are really a few fairly simple reasons, such as the conquest of North America being relatively recent and there being, at least perception of, a drastic disparity in power between the natives and the invading Europeans, so it's seen as less fair than when, for example, the French and the British invaded each other. I think the biggest reason, however, is somewhat paradoxical. Simply put, it's because the U.S. made at least a little bit of an attempt at going through the motions of treating the natives with some degree of respect and dignity. Some degree. I know that sounds strange, but bear with me for a moment, and I'll at least attempt to show how that makes some sense. In the classical conquest, there's not only was no attempt at preserving the pre-existing society, but in many cases, there was a concerted attempt to wipe it out completely. Women were taken as slaves. Men were killed or castrated. Two generations after the conquest, about all that was left of the conquered society were some half or quarter bred children descended from the women who had been enslaved. And frequently, the religion of the conquerors had a devil or more than one that bore a decided resemblance to the god or gods of the society they had conquered. So if the American natives had been treated like most conquered societies, there would be no treaties, no reservations, and no natives left to sue the government over how badly they had been treated. Now, all of this doesn't deserve a thank you in any way, shape, or form. It's just fact. About all that would be left would be a few stories about horrible people who abused pets and children, or whatever the conquering Europeans thought would portray the natives in the worst possible light. As it is, however, the U.S. government made treaties with the natives. Sometimes the narratives and sometimes the natives who signed the treaties didn't understand what they were doing. Other times they were almost certainly forced to sign treaties they, at least partly, understood but didn't like. And there's certainly a long history of treaties being more or less ignored when they were inconvenient. Nonetheless, even at the time the U.S. government at least paid lip service to the notion that the natives had rights that should be protected. Most of the deaths among the Native Americans, the usual estimate is around 90%, were not for military massacres, but from diseases to which the natives had no previous exposures and no immunity at all. So now, even though there were few, there are still natives. Even though they've been broken, the treaty still exists and the U.S. government no longer feels quite as free to completely ignore them. In short, the U.S. still has a nearly constant reminder of its past. And most people probably don't remember all the details about exactly what was done to which tribe at which time, but classes in U.S. schools certainly teach about how the U.S. government broke solemn treaties with the natives, not just once or twice, but repeatedly, nearly any time the treaties became inconvenient. And so there's still evidence of what happened, still constant nagging reminders of guilt, still a feeling that it was wrong and we should do better. That opens the U.S. to a great deal of criticism that simply doesn't happen where older civilizations have simply been wiped out, and the only traces of them that remain at all are bits and pieces that are nearly ignored, except maybe for a day or two when archaeologists happen to make a particular interesting find. I should probably add that this situation isn't entirely unique to the U.S. 
Canada, for one example, also has some examples of doing things to natives that probably almost nobody today really thinks was and is right. On the other hand, Canada probably hasn't done as much that was as wrong and perhaps more importantly, spends less time trying to portray itself as the leader of the free world, the woke world, the paragon of all that is good and right in the world. As such, even though they're not perfect, their lack of perfection undoubtedly at least seems less hypocritical. Who's doing the criticism, though? Well, mostly Americans. This penchant for self-criticism is one of the reasons America rose to the status it holds today. The fact that Americans are starting to shy away from this and become defensive about it is one of the reasons America is losing this previously earned status. America also likes very much to think of itself as the shining beacon on the hill, the leader of the free world, the exporter of democracy, and acts accordingly on the world stage. It has a history of making a big deal since its founding about how it is different and better than other nations because it is an imperialist. It doesn't conquer. It's not an empire. He who talks the talk is expected to walk the walk, and the holier-than-thou will get more criticism as a matter of course. The thing is, is that most people don't know the true history of the holiday, and it's been hijacked by people wanting to make a stand on issues. The credit goes to a pretty amazing woman, Sarah Josephia Hale, a president who was dealing with the worst situation in U.S. history, Abraham Lincoln. Both of them were paramount to the holiday. Days of Thanksgiving and prayer originated and were in Europe and were most commonly practiced in the Church of England. It wasn't a specific day, nor was it national. There may have been one or two incidences, but by this memory from having done research rather than researching it all based on one notion, local leaders would select a day to offer prayer and thanks, often around harvest, but also when something happened. The tradition was brought by the English settlers— and I actually looked it up, and I first, the celebration was in 1610 in Virginia, my home state. Skip forward 150 years or so to the American Revolutionary War. George Washington and the Continental Congress declared the first national day of prayer and Thanksgiving. So to celebrate, the British defeat at Saratoga was born. There was also a day set aside at the end of the war. Occasional national days were appointed after this, but they were random. Also, different states generally in New England would hold a statewide day of Thanksgiving. The, day, the date of the day differed from state to state. Sarah Josepha Hale was from Rhode Island. She was well-renowned poet and author and also effectively worked for a number of causes. She wrote to four different presidents about the topic of a national day of prayer and thanks. The fifth president, Abraham Lincoln, received her letter during the middle of the Civil War. He liked the idea. And if you get a chance to look it up, read the original proclamation. It was a direct reference to all that was going on during the war. The original concept of the day was one of peace and gratefulness and prayer in the middle of a time of chaos and sadness. Might be good for today. As the years have gone by, this has changed and there is a lot of controversy that was not related to the original intent of the holiday. Here's a short summation of what we know. In 1620, a group of English settlers known as the Pilgrims made an, an arduous journey across the Atlantic. In 1621, they signed a peace treaty with the indigenous people living in the area. The, pardon the pronunciation, the Wampanoag Confederacy that was honored by both sides for 50 years. After signing the treaty, Native Americans taught the settlers about how to fertilize the soil for growing crops and also gave them hunting and fishing tips. 
This was vital to the Plymouth colony survival, according to the History Channel. By spring 1621, roughly half of the Mayflower's original passengers had died in their new homes. Later that year, there was a Thanksgiving feast with the Wampanoags, oh, it's horrible butcher, to celebrate the first autumn harvest. This became known as the first Thanksgiving. It's a true story that offers us hope, one that almost everyone can be proud of celebrating. Of course, though, there's a larger story. There's the story of Europeans who arrived before the pilgrims in 1620. And there's the story of how the treaty broke down when the new arrivals of Europeans, subsequent generations of indigenous people, clashed, with provocations and atrocities being committed on both sides. And later, there's the story of what basically constitutes a horrific genocide of Native Americans during Americans' westward expansion, which is all true and documented. It could be argued that the reason that this is happening on both the left and the right is that we are not thankful. We are not grateful for the blessings of liberty and modernity. Empirically speaking, there's no better time or place to be alive than in the 21st century of America. We're freer, safer, and healthier than any people in the history of the world, at least for now, until Joe Biden gets done with us. And ironically, this gives us more time to dwell on how horrible we are and how bad we have it. But while this is a bipartisan lament, the right's abandonment of Thanksgiving is arguably more concerning because defending patriotism, tradition, and yes, Thanksgiving are primary functions of conservatism. To my mind, conservatism is gratitude, says conservative intellectual Yuval Levin. Quote, conservatives tend to begin from gratitude for what is good and what works in our society and then strive to build on it, while liberals tend to begin from outrage at what is bad and broken and seek to uproot it. You need both, Levin concedes, but we can also never forget what moves us to gratitude and so what we stand for and defend. The extraordinary cultural inheritance we have, the amazing country built for us by others, defended by our best and bravest Americas, unmatched potential for lifting the poor and the weak, the legacy of freedom, of ordered liberty, built up over centuries of hard work. It's a healthy country, and it's transparent about its past sins. We should not present a solely sanitized version of our history, but we also must be proud of our country and believe that we are a force for good, because it happens to be true, and because we can then strive up to live for that truth. When more Americans believe the nation is defined by its sins rather than its benefit, as I fear is happening right now, it seems to me that our goose, I mean turkey, is cooked. Folks, thanks for watching tonight. If you have any questions, please post them below. Thank you, and come by for Monday night's show. Thanks for letting me take a couple nights off on Thanksgiving. It did help. I got a lot of R&R, &R and it was awesome. Do me one more favor. Please like, share, and subscribe, and follow if you would not mind. It means a great deal to me. Also, it will help keep the page going and thriving. One last thing, if you would not mind, I go out like I always do, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Veterans are our most important resource. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is way too many. Please reach out to a vet. Ask them. If they are okay, especially during the holidays, it gets very lonely for veterans. If you would not mind, you can help them by calling this number. If they won't talk to you, please reach out to me. I'll make that call with you. 
Veteran Crisis Hotline is 100% anonymous, free of charge. Most importantly, they will help civilians, not just veterans. It's an important call to make. Mental health is extremely important. Please make that phone call. Folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you for watching Don't Unfriend Me. I will be back on Monday for another show at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. God bless and have a wonderful holiday weekend.